back here, new edition of Two Out of Three Falls on the Cruise Control Podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. Got my man Graham Matthews every week from Bleacher Report joining me. Graham, what's up, my man? How you doing? Doing great, Randy. As always, we to talk about Raw SmackDown Survivor Series and including NXT on Saturday, too. is a hell of a weekend, but we're going to break down the good and the bad and the ugly today with you, brother. Definitely. Um... Like I said, you, you're on the show every week. You can find Graham Matthews on Twitter at Russell Rant. Uh, does great work for Bleacher Report, Hidden Remote, What Culture, and he is the host of Russell Rant Radio. So go ahead and check that out. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and the family, uh, by the way, Graham. You as well, my friend. You as well. Only 24 hours out from Thanksgiving. It's pretty crazy. Exactly. And just for the record, uh, breaking news, this podcast has gone on longer than Brock Lesnar and Goldberg from Sunday. (laughs) Oh, that's so... (laughs) We're going to rant on that, but that is so true. Um... So yeah, two new two out of three falls. We got Survivor Series. We got a little bit of NXT stuff on Raw and SmackDown uh, to talk about. But I guess the the, the big uh, news or big tra- uh, traction in the world of wrestling the last couple of days has to be James Ellsworth getting a SmackDown live contract. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and last night he beat EV Styles for a third time in a ladder match. Earn a SmackDown Live contract. That blew me away. Not really. It was kind of predictable. But, yeah, the, probably the biggest news item, James Ellsworth, is officially signed to the Blue Brand. Congrats to him, I guess. Yeah, uh, Ellsworth signing to, uh, you know, uh, officially signing to SmackDown trumps Goldberg Brock. Uh, absolutely. Uh, he's now 3-0 <laughs> against AJ fucking Styles. Uh, you know, I, that's not what I wanted to start with, but I just wanted to, you know, make a joke but um Goldberg Brock Lesnar which is the biggest news out of wrestling the last couple of days uh the hype was real um Goldberg first match in 12 years 49 years old you get Brock Lesnar in the middle of the ring main event and the main event goes on for a minute 25 and and, and I'm pretty sure you've had this the last few days of people loving it liking it hating it uh, before you go uh, and tell me your your, your explanation, I, I just want to say that me being a, a fan of wrestling for such a long time, I think if you if people weren't around for the for the initial Goldberg run, they don't kind of get what went on on Sunday, and it of course there are many factors. They can say, well, the company gave Brock a lot of money to to take that L in a minute twenty five or it it, it kind of shows Brock is taking one for the team. You know, everybody has been taking an L for him. Randy Orton, Rollins, Reigns, um, you know, the, the the list goes on and on. You know, Taker, John Cena. And now, two years removed from him breaking the streak at WrestleMania um, 30 or three years, I would say, um, Maybe this was the prime time to to Brock to give one back to to the company. And maybe down the road, he'll get that W back from Goldberg. But I think think a lot of fans would have been upset if Goldberg came back and they had a typical Brock Lesnar match. He'll do suplex, he'll do this, he'll do his, his, his fucking MMA shit. And then Goldberg loses and then he rides off to the sunset and that's it. I think what they wanted to do was shock the world, which... They they did one hundred percent. Nobody knew that, you know. You know, 
people wanted Goldberg to win, but maybe there was a little doubt that he was going to win because it would have gave the question, all right, what do you do next? Does that mean Goldberg hangs around for a little bit? But him winning and in the fashion and style and the time that he won got the entire wrestling world buzzing. And there's so many questions to be answered and so many directions they can go to. I liked it. I loved it. I thought it was fucking great. I, I, I made a tweet saying, the WWE gave you a typical 1990s Goldberg match in 2016, and I, and I thought it was fucking great. Nobody knew it was going to happen. I didn't know it. You didn't know it. A lot of people thought that Brock was going to go over. And the minute 25, and that being the main event, after a one-hour five-on-five Survivor Series match, you know, some fans would be like, oh, come on. Like, why do the buildup for a minute 25? I liked it. I loved it. Uh Goldberg would now be in the Rumble. We'll we'll get to that in a minute. But when you first saw it, Graham, and you kind of just took everything in, did you like it? Did you love it? Did you hate it of Goldberg not only beating Brock, but him beating him in the minute 25? Well, I think my initial reaction, as everyone else's was, was that I was shocked. Like, holy shit. Uh, like you said, no, no one saw that coming. Which, I mean, I, I didn't like the finish. I'll talk about why I didn't like it in a second, but... I think what you said, you make a great point in that it, it established that shock factor, which it, they were obviously going for. This was by no means a long-term plan. They weren't planning this a week or so ago. Maybe they were, but from what I understand, they weren't. And Goldberg only re-signed in the past week, and they figured they wanted to do a rematch at the WrestleMania pay-per-view or whatever. They're not doing it at the Rumble, because Goldberg's already in the Rumble match. they got to wait until WrestleMania, which makes sense. And I'll take that over Goldberg and, uh, or sorry, Sheen and, and Lesnar, which I'm not a fan of at all either, but... Anyway, in terms of the finish, like you said, I mean, someone, when I spoke my piece on the finish, with Lesnar losing in a minute and a half of Goldberg, um, I was doing a little ranting on Twitter right after I saw I watched it a day later on Monday, so I didn't watch it live. I didn't see what everyone else's reaction was in the heat of the moment, but um, I was like, are you kidding me? Just because, like you said, I mean, I was really looking forward to the match because they had been building it up so well. And it was honestly the only match on that show I was really, really looking forward to. Mm-hmm. The five-on-five Mills match I thought was the best match in the entire show, and that was great. Right. Um, but I was looking forward to this more than anything else. And it's not that Brock should have gone, like, should have left the company either next year or the year after, whenever he ends up leaving. It's not that he should have left undefeated. He should have. I mean, he every monster, every beast is built up to be conquered. That. It's, that just makes sense. I'm not saying he should have left unbeaten. He should have been beaten at some point. I just don't think that it was worth it for Goldberg. I mean, I I guess the interest is there for a rematch at this point. I'm not nearly as excited for a third match as I was for the second one. Uh, that's just me personally, though. Uh, that being said, I just think that for Goldberg to beat Brock after the guy had not been tender submitted in three and a half years, with the streak, which I also is not a fan of, at least it benefited Brock, and whoever beat Brock would become a star. Goldberg's already a star, though. I mean, can you make more money with him at the Rumble or at WrestleMania? Absolutely. That's just short-term, though. That's just popping a rating for a pay-per-view that's in two months. That's not making a star out of anybody. Like, if that was Samoa Joe or, I don't know, like Roman Reigns, as much as I hate to say that, at least the guy would have been remembered as the one who beat the one who put the one in 21-1. and one. Um, I mean, Goldberg looked good. I mean, he looks in great shape. I'm sure when they do eventually work a full-time match, it's, it should be decent, or at least better than the WrestleMania 20 match. I don't know. I mean, even days later, I'm just still not a fan of it, just because I feel like 
it could have gone, that win could have gone to somebody else that really could have used it, like I said, like a Samoa Joe. And as unrealistic as that sounds, I mean, Goldberg came back after a fucking decade in retirement, beat Brock, who's been unstoppable for almost five years now. He beat him in a minute. So, I mean, anything is realistic in this world of WWE, but I don't know. I'm just not really a fan of it. I mean, like you said, I mean, they got that shock factor, which is great. But I feel like for a long-term game, I mean, hell, Zack Ryder winning the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania was shocking. Did it help anybody? No, because the guy dropped the belt the next night. Stone Cold Steve Austin stunning the New Day at WrestleMania. That was a shocker, but it didn't help anybody. So, I don't know. I guess we'll see where this ranks. And years down the line, I guess when we look back at this, we'll see what impact it had on the future. But I just, the way that Brock lost, that wasn't as big of an issue as who he lost to. So, I guess, I guess we'll see where it does. It might be too speaking too soon. I guess we'll see. Yeah, um, you know, they can go many ways with this. You know, um, not the what everybody has on their mind right now is Goldberg is going to be in the Rumble, Brock is going to cost in the Rumble match, and they do a third match at WrestleMania. Then that might be the swan song for Goldberg at WrestleMania. I think everybody has that, that first option. Me, or even for you, Trying to think of okay, how can this how can this work if that option is not what's what's going to happen? Um, how long will Goldberg be around for? Can can what are some options you see of him winning the Rumble and then going to WrestleMania? Whether it's it's the, for AJ's belt or if for Kevin Owens' belt, and then down the road Brock gets it. You know. Aside from him just getting a third match with Brock and Brock getting that W finally, um, to you as a fan, what are some options for Goldberg that you might say, you know what, I wasn't a fan of him winning at first, but now with the way they're doing it, it might seem more interesting. What option do you have for Goldberg when it comes to the Rumble and Mania? And like you said, you know, Stephanie McMahon, that's, that's what he said, came to him and said, do you have one more title run? Would you be opposed to seeing a Goldberg as champion in 2017? Yes, just because, I mean, like I said, with the streak, I mean, like when it ended, I was pissed, as a lot of people were. Mm -hmm. But at least it benefited Brock, because whoever beat Brock would be a star. I don't think anyone's going to beat Goldberg, though. The only person who's going to beat Goldberg is Brock Lesnar. And even when he beats him, he's still 2-1-1 against him. Brock Lesnar is still inferior to Goldberg. Because he already beat him twice. So, it just, it hardly benefits Brock. I mean, I guess it makes his character more interesting. The guy's been kind of stagnant all year. And it kind of puts him in chase mode. So that should be interesting. I'm not saying this is an awful idea. I just don't know where it goes. Because you have to do a third match. You, you have to. Otherwise, the Brock loss makes no sense. Brock has to get his win back at some point. That's the direction I think they're headed in. With him in the Rumble, I, I don't know. I mean, it's not like Goldberg's going to win. And then Lesnar's going to get the title in the meantime. I don't know in what universe people think that Lesnar's going to get a title run or going to get a title shot after losing in a fucking minute. And then Goldberg has to go through the Rumble or Lesnar's going to win the championship while he's in the Rumble. That doesn't make any sense. So they're not going to do that. It just, again, I mean, if Goldberg was being brought back to beat Lesnar and get this big rub for only someone to beat Goldberg, then it might be okay with it. And they could still do that, but they, they have to do the third Lesnar match. And if they do that and Lesnar has to win, then I, I, I don't know what, where you go from here. I feel like if, if Goldberg lost at, at Survivor Series and then came back to do another match, he still would be a big star. 
I mean, he, look at the pop that he got when he came back. It's not like people don't care about him or people didn't view him as a star. The guy was already fucking over. So, I mean, him him beating or him losing to, Rock, uh, to Brock, rather, wouldn't have mattered that much. I mean, look at Sting. When he lost to WrestleMania 31, did people look at him like a loser going into the Seth Rollins match? Absolutely not, because he was already a star. Like, if Goldberg lost that first match, it wouldn't have been that big of a deal. And then, like you said a couple weeks ago, they still could have done the rubber match, which to me would have been even better, because at least one, both guys have a win, and then if Goldberg wins that match, whatever. But I don't know. At least at this point, I feel like it's way... It's just predictable. Like, if Goldberg is already 2-0, obviously Lesnar is going to win a third match. And, I, there's, and as I told you a month ago, there's not really many matches I want to see with Goldberg, other than maybe Roman Reigns, which they're not going to build up Goldberg just to lose to Roman because they're going to do the Lesnar match. Again, like I said, there's just, I don't know, there's a lot of different places they can go with this. And it seems like they're going to go the most predictable route with Lesnar costing him the Rumble. And I hate to sound negative about it, but I'm just not a fan because I feel like I know how this is going to end. And it just barely benefits Brock because he already lost to him twice. So Goldberg's already 2-1 and one against him. And they're not going to have anyone else beat Goldberg than Brock. So I don't know. I mean, just from what the outlook looks right now, it could be entirely different by WrestleMania 33. So I guess we'll see. But so far, I'm just not a fan of the direction that it's headed in. Yeah, and that's why I asked you if, if we all feel that we kind of know the direction it's going to go into, how can they shock us again down the road? Like, um, even with Survivor Series, a lot of us, I think even me, I, I, you know, I have Brock winning. I thought, I thought this was Goldberg's final match, and that was a wrap. And they did a complete 180 on us. It had Goldberg win in a, in, a, in a minute 25. So as opposed to them going the traditional, I cost you the Rumble match, we have a little beef, and then we'll fight at Mania. I think they've done that that storyline so many times. I'm just, me as a fan, trying to think outside the box. How else can they do it where, when it's all said and done, we can kind of look past Brock losing in a minute 25 and say, you know what? Yeah, he lost in a minute 25 to Goldberg, but... It, you know, he, he got his due down the road. I, I, I'm i just trying to figure out how it'll all work. It'll all make sense. Do I see Goldberg at 49 being a champ? I mean, me, uh, Graham, I, I, you know, I'm a little bit nostalgic. I don't I wouldn't mind it. I'm not saying have a fucking New Day title run and hold it for a year and a half. I'm not saying all that. But for a month, for, for I don't know, for a fucking day, it'll just be like, holy shit, like Goldberg came back at 49. And pretty much he looked fucking jacked. On, on something. It was like, holy shit, like Goldberg looks in shape. Um, it wasn't like Goldberg was out of shape or looked different. I would have told you, man, Goldberg looked look bad, but he he, he doesn't. He, it, you know, it was, it was almost pretty much how Shawn Michaels looked at WrestleMania 32. It was like, Shawn is 50 years old looking like that? Shawn can win the fucking, you know, IC title right now looking like that. And like him and Goldberg's attack team, it, it'd be, you know, it'd be crazy, but... Um, I, I I get both opposite ends of the spectrum of people who who could be in the middle, who could love it, who who can hate it. But as a fan, you gotta you you know you gotta agree with me when I say fans hate knowing the outcome ahead of time. But when they're shocked, it's like oh wow. But you you know y'all made Brock look bad. It's like. Dude, what do you want? <laughs> what, you you do you want to be 
you know, having it to be predictable, like when Reigns wins the fucking Rumble or when Reigns beats Sheamus at Survivor Series last year for the belt, you knew that was going to happen. But when something unpredictable happens, it's like, yeah, but now, now Brock is 2-0 against Goldberg. Like, you can't have it both ways. That's the thing. I feel like a lot of people yearn for surprising moments, especially at a time where it feels so cookie-cutter and formulaic every single freaking Monday night on Raw. Yep. Same shit happens. It's like we already know what's going to happen. But I feel like at the same time, just as there's good unpredictability and bad unpredictability, or rather good predictability and bad predictability, and just because it's predictable doesn't always mean it's a bad thing. Like I feel like if they did Goldberg and Lesnar with Brock winning, maybe not a fucking minute, but if they did like a 10-minute match and Brock won, and Goldberg looked good, then it could have been fine if the match lived up to the hype. So I don't think that would have been a bad thing. Like you said, Reigns winning the Rumble, where Sheamus Gashin in last year's show, oh, that was the bad kind of predictable, because no one gave a shit about either one of those outcomes. Um, but in terms of you know, shock value, I don't want to compare it to Vince Russo, but to me it feels like a Vince Russo thing, like, okay, no one saw this coming, so let's do it. There's no like long-term story. Like, I think of a good shock, like when Seth Rollins cashed in the money in the bank at WrestleMania 31, nobody saw that coming. Mm. That was a good kind of surprise. Um, when Brock Lesnar, a perfect example, squashed John Cena in, in 10 minutes, not a minute, but in 10 minutes at SummerSlam 2014, that was something we had never seen before, but it made sense because Lesnar was a beast, and they had a long-term plan for WrestleMania 31 for him to hold that championship until that WrestleMania. For Goldberg, like I said, it just... Long-term-wise, they just don't see who it helps. Like with Brock, whoever beat Brock gets the rub. Goldberg doesn't really get a rub. So, I mean, again, I appreciate the shock value and then doing something to get headlines. But it's just um, uh, for sake of a moment, for like that five-second gift with Goldberg pinning Brock for the first men to do so in three and a half years. They made headlines. That's great. But in a month from now, no one in the current roster is any more over than they were before. Whereas someone like a KO or, I don't know, uh, Roman Reigns or whoever on the roster, had they beaten Brock, people would have looked at them as the star and not Goldberg. I mean, Goldberg's great. There's other ways they could utilize him with all the fanfare that he has right now. But they've got to look towards the future. Like, I'm so sick of seeing the same part that we've had a part-timer in the main event of WrestleMania for like five years straight now, and I'm ready for them to move on and start focusing on these new guys because no one on the current roster feels like a star at all. Like, the closest thing that we have is John Cena, and he's not even here all the time. Most of the people just feel like when they come out, I couldn't give a shit. Like, no one cares. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see where it goes, like I said, but I do appreciate the shock value, but I just wish it could have been. Like, they, they still could have done the shock value just with someone else. That's what I'm saying. Like, if that Samoa Joe out there and shook out Lesnar in a minute, they could have done that. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see where it goes, but I I'm just not a fan of, like, where I think it's headed. And just the just the long term vision or the lack of long term vision rather. Go ahead and download and subscribe to the Cruise Control Podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. Um, speaking of shock value, you know, you mentioned Samoa Joe a couple of times and I I will be remiss to not mention it, but were you shocked that he defeated Nakamura at NXT for the NXT championship? That's what I'm saying. I feel like when shit like that happens, like when Samoa Joe won back the belt on Saturday, which, again, nobody saw it coming. It was a weekend full of surprises. Nobody saw that coming. But I didn't sit there. As much as I wanted Nakamura to retain, because I feel like he could have held the belt until Orlando at WrestleMania and dropped the belt there to, like, Bobby Roode or something, I don't sit there and say, this makes no sense. Like, I have no faith in this company because they lack long-term vision. 
NXT has never once, for the most part, disappointed me. When I saw that, it's like, okay, I didn't see that coming. That shocked the hell out of me. But I have enough faith in this company, and, and, and at least in NXT. I mean, same fucking company, but I have enough faith in NXT to know where they're going with this. Whether they give the belt back to Shinsuke at their tour of Japan next month, they know what they're doing. It wasn't like, oh, like a split-second decision, let's put the belt on Joe, like they did with Goldberg. Like, they had Lesnar going over for the longest time, up until Goldberg signed the new deal, and then they changed their mind. Like, the streak was the same thing. They, they made the decision to break the streak the day of, according to Shawn Michaels. So, anyway, with Joe winning the back of the belt, it was interesting. That, that, like, that's what I'm talking about. He comes off like a star in NXT. He has the Shinsuke, but Joe's been built up so well. He's one of the best deals I've seen in some time. The match was good. The whole show was great. Um, I have faith. I have enough faith in them to think that I know, or not to know where this is going. I don't know where it's going, but I have enough faith in them to, that it's going to end up right. For either Nakamura getting the belt back, or Nakamura getting called up, or whatever. Um, but I thought it was great. That was certainly a shocker that I enjoyed over the weekend. Yeah, I mean, I I, I thought it was great. I thought Joe beat the shit out of Nakamura. Um, you know, in contrast to that match. Um, at, uh, at, at in Brooklyn, and it was a complete 360 of Joe just completely dominating Nakamura. It, Nakamura, I mean, I like him. Uh, maybe sometime when he does his kicking shit all the time, it's like, dude, you know, can you do a fucking suplex? Can you do a drop kick or something? <laughs> Everything is a strong style. I get it, but it's like some old Joe just, you know, has the the total package. And from 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 the morning, the um, the opening bell to the end, it was like, damn, Joe is kicking his ass. Like, damn, Nakamura, can you do something? And, and and ultimately, the outcome was correct for Joe to go over Nakamura. And, and then it, it brings the question of, all right, so these two guys are going to stay in NXT for, for quite some time, maybe until the WrestleMania weekend. Because, you know, someone like me would, was thinking Nakamura would go over and then Joe would maybe get that call up. But now, some were saying, you know, Nakamura might get that call up. I, I don't think either one gets the call up anytime soon. Um, earliest, I mean, they might throw some people in, in the Rumble. I, I don't know, but I think WrestleMania time will be the prime time to bring up a Samoa Joe or Nakamura. I thought that the, the main event was, was good. Um, overall, NXT Toronto was, was pretty good. Um, new tag champs. Um, still women's champion in, in Oscar defeating Mickey James in, in, in her return. Overall, like you said before we before we even got on, it was a, a crazy three days in Toronto with NXT Survivor Series and Raw and um, just a lot of hours of watching wrestling. Yeah, I tried to do the math. I think it was a two and a half hour takeover. And you have a five-and-a-half-hour Survivor Series, because it only ran three-and-a-half hours. They cut the show short by like a half hour, but you have the two-hour kickoff show. So that right there is eight hours of wrestling. A three-hour Raw, that's 11 hours. And you, if you include SmackDown last night, that's 13 hours of pro wrestling in a matter of four freaking days. I watched it all. There was some good stuff, some not-so-good stuff, some not-so-good stuff, but... uh. Still, uh, thank God we only have to do this like four times a year, not every single pay-per-view weekend. I mean, the takeovers over like the same weekends as the pay-per-views is, is cool. And I think it adds like a special, like, oh, look, it's a must-see weekend. And this weekend was must-see for sure with everything that happened on all three shows. But uh, thank God it only happens so few times a year because it, it can be exhausting, absolutely. So now at Survivor Series, real quick, um, 
Goldberg with the win. SmackDown won the five on five male um, males match. Um, Raw won the five on five females match, and Raw won the ten on ten tag match. The cruiserweights remain on Raw because of outside interference from Baron Corbin. Um, the Miz retained the Intercontinental Championship, so that belt remains on SmackDown. Anything from Survivor Series outside of Brock and Goldberg, anything that really shocked you or surprised you or made you feel like, hmm, you know, I, I did not see that coming. Yeah, a few things. I mean, for the better and for worse, I mean, Nia Jax tapping on the women's match made no sense. I'm not the biggest Nia Jax fan, but she's been building up she's been built up as a monster for months. Mm-hmm. And you have her tap out clean to Becky Lynch. After Naomi was counted out, so I feel like those finishes should have been reversed, but that was that was weird. That match really wasn't that good. Yeah. Um, Miz and Zayn was, was good. Not great, but it was good. The finish was dumb. Uh, the <laughs> tag team elimination match, the, the second one with the tag teams was pretty good. The final finishing sequence, that was great. This is all our Sheamus and the Usos. Kendrick and Sin- uh, not Sin Cara, Kalisto was kind of disappointing. I was hoping Kalisto would win. No such luck. But like I said, the five-on-five male men's, the main male men's match, uh, that elimination tag match, the last one between Raw and SmackDown, was phenomenal. I thought the way that it was laid out, there was a few things I wasn't a huge fan of, like Owens getting eliminated via like the list, the via DQ. That was kind of weird. But, yeah, that's terrible. Uh, I thought the whole match was really well laid out. It ate up a freaking hour of, of pay-per-view time, which showed that it did not need to be four hours, but whatever. Um, I thought the match itself was great. SmackDown winning was awesome. I thought the Shield reunion was one of the best parts of the entire night. I didn't think they would go that far with it, but that was it made sense, and it was really well executed, and the people ate it up. And then, just you know, to add to something that we've been talking about for a long time, thank the fucking Lord they finally gave Bray Wyatt a big victory. Like, how yeah. long haven't we have, have we been talking about Bray Wyatt? The fact that he was left off SummerSlam. He lost the king of all people at, at, at Backlash a couple months ago. It's like, oh, my God. And then finally, they gave him a They didn't even only have him be a sole survivor. He got the final pinfall victory over Roman Reigns. That's a big deal. Um, so I was a big fan of that match and the finish and everything else that went on. The Ellsworth stuff, which I'm not a huge fan of. The part that he played was great. So uh, that was by far, in my opinion, the best thing ever. Uh, the best thing by far from that Survivor Series pay-per-view. Yeah, man, that that five on five was was fucking great. Um, you know, I was just happy that Bray Wyatt finally got a whether he was the sole survivor or him or somebody else, which was Randy Orton, um, was good because you know Raw Raw was going Raw was two and zero in the Survivor Series matches. They already kept the cruiserweight. So I'm thinking, all right, right now this is pretty dominated by Raw, and SmackDown only kept they kept the IC title and. I told you there's no way Raw or SmackDown was gonna go for a sweep. I was hoping two and one, you know, with with Raw winning the five on five match. But I, I am kind of happy and glad SmackDown won the five on five because, um, you know, it, 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 you know, with Bray Wyatt, there's there's so many things that you haven't done with him that you can do. And I know he's been in there for for quite some time. Uh, not many big major wins from him in a long time outside of Daniel Bryan at Rumble 414, a Chris Jericho match. Um, but now with him and Orton getting involved, it seems like the Orton part is for real, is legit at this point. 
he's now pulling a Daniel Bryan where I'll just join for a couple of weeks and I'll just screw you. I think that's that part is legit. And I, I'm just happy. And, and for the record, that Toronto crowd was chanting for SmackDown overall. <laughs> Yeah, they wanted they wanted SmackDown to beat Raw so bad, and they in the crowd that, that that cheered for Bray Wyatt when he won was so like, like finally. And plus, maybe it was the fact that he beat Roman Reigns in the process, but still having SmackDown going over Raw, I think was the best way to go. Um, Shane McMahon is is just phenomenal uh, of the kind of risk he takes in the ring. I thought he was he looked legit hurt. I think he was. Um, even saw Randy Orton talking to, to, to Shane's kid on the side to let him know everything is all right. Um, then, and obviously the shield reunion and they've been teasing this for, for a little bit, quite some time. And now you finally get all three together in the same ring, same building. And they do the, um, the power bomb to AJ on, on the table. I got to ask you, how soon do we see? the official reunion or does it have to take Dean to go to raw to initiate that re- that full reunion? Yeah, no, I think it was only a one-off. I just read something yesterday. I was going to post it on Twitter today or yesterday. I forgot. I'll do it soon. But I read some report. I went back because I remember reading a few years ago, literally like a month after they broke up, there were already reports like a month after they split up the shield that WWE was already planning to put them back together. I'm like, that's how successful they were. They're already looking ahead to, you know, a year down the line, two years down the line for an already a reunion between these three guys. And they were off. I saw some report that said they're already, you know, looking towards 2016 to do a one-off reunion, and they weren't wrong. It's November 2016. They did one at Survivor Series. And the best part about it, I think, on commentary, I'm pretty sure if they did it, they're dumb four-year anniversary of the group. They debuted that same exact pay-per-view, did that same exact move to a guy who has since been eliminated from the company, has since been fired from the company right back, but they did it to AJ Styles instead on their four-year anniversary. I thought it was great. Um, so I don't think we see the full-on reunion. I don't think we should for a while just because um, I feel like Dean should go heel first. I feel like, I don't know if they're headed in that direction. It looked like they were going in that direction for a while, going into No Mercy when he was kind of going back and forth with Cena. Now, Cena's gone, so I don't know what they're doing there, but um, I would rather see Dean go heel first, and these guys are going to be here for a long-ass time. These guys are going to be the the, the three cornerstones of this company, whether it be on Raw, SmackDown, or whatever. It doesn't matter. They're the three top baby faces right now on their respective brands. Um, But I see Dean turning heel soon, so maybe not a full-on reunion anytime soon, but even if it's five years removed from when they split up in 2019, They'll do a reunion at some point, a full-on reunion when they're doing the six-man tag team matches, which are going to be nothing short of sensational. So right now, are you a fan of, uh, obviously, Seth and Roman, they're not like buddy-buddy right now, but you can kind of tell that they're, they're going to defend each other to, to some degree, um, not knowing how it'll play out going further because um, they have the roadblock pay-per-view, and I think it's still going to be Reigns and Kevin Owens as of now. For, for, for the belt unless something changes and then maybe Seth and Jericho because Jericho as Sin Cara <laughs> cost uh, Seth Rollins the match on, on, on Raw which I thought was a great match um, is that how you see it KO against Reigns Seth against Y2J and your take on if Seth and Reigns are quote unquote buddy buddy um, uh, buddy buddy um 
How does that play out? Do you think that Seth is just using Reigns to kind of help him out? No, I think it's a, it's a, it's a friendship. I mean, I feel like they should have explained it better. I mean, there was a hot, hot, hot ending to Raw a few weeks ago mm-hmm. where Seth Rollins came to the aid of Reigns. It might have been two, three weeks ago. And the crowd went nuts. It was on a Halloween episode. That's what it was. Because I remember it was in Hartford, and I remember I wasn't there. But I just remember the crowd going nuts. And it was after Reigns and Jericho. And they did nothing to follow that up the next week. They did nothing to explain it. They were already like, you had to assume they just kind of got back on the same page. Despite the fact they freaking hated each other for weeks on end, or years even on end, but specifically only a couple of months ago when they feuded over the championship. Um, but yeah, no, I feel like it's a good alliance for both guys. I don't know if that's going to help Seth Rollins, because people do just hate Roman Reigns, and that might rub off on Rollins. Hopefully not, like it did for the Usos earlier this year. But that was kind of the catalyst that turned uh, the Usos heel in the eyes of the fans, but... Anyway, uh, yeah, no, I feel like that is the direction they're going in for Roadblock. I said that a few weeks ago, because it looked like they planted the seeds for those feuds, respectively, um, right after Hell in the Cell with Owens facing Reigns, which, as I've told you before, I'm not a big fan of, because Reigns is still the U.S. champion. So I feel like it's kind of a waste of that mid-card title. And then Jericho and Rollins, which they all but confirmed on Monday, when uh, Jericho cost Rollins the championship in the main event against Dylan. So I like Rollins and Jericho. The match should be great. They've had a lot of good matches on Raw in recent weeks uh, in recent months. But Owens and Reigns, as good of a match as it could be in ring-wise, from a storyline standpoint, I'm just not a fan. Just because it's the whole point of putting the U.S. set on Roman Reigns was to prevent him from putting it in the main event scene. It's only been a few months. It's way too early, so... But the match should be good, though. But, yeah, that's the way I see the card playing out at Roadblock in a few weeks. Yeah, like you said, they they they, they fought many times before, uh, Rollins and Jericho on Raw. I'm just trying to figure out, okay, so that, you know, we're going to see this match again, more than likely. But how do you make it different than the others? Again, I doubt they'll do this. But if they were, if they were to say the winner of Seth Y2J gets to become number one contender um, for Kevin Owens' title. And let's say Y2J wins. And then right now, we have no idea who K- who, who KO or AJ is going to fight at the Rumble. Um, KO can beat Reigns at Roadblock. And then you might get your Rumble match with him and, um, and Y2J at the Rumble um, just to be different. But just to have another Y2J-Seth Rollins match doesn't really make me do fucking you know jumping jacks because there's no there's nothing at stake to me i think they gotta have something at stake for that match if that match is is legit for robot uh roadblock but if they don't do that i'm like well i already saw this match on raw like five fucking times already yeah i mean maybe i mean it's only a b-level pay-per-view so i could see them doing a standard singles match but you you do have a good point in that the winner should get like a future title shot and then maybe Jericho wins to face Owens for the belt of the Rumble, which I feel like is the direction they should be going in. I think Jericho's leaving at the onset of 2017. I could be wrong. I just, for some reason, I heard that somewhere. It is going on toward the beginning of the year next year. Um, I don't know how true that is. And I hope not. I hope he sticks around for WrestleMania. He's been one of the best people, one of the best wrestlers, one of the biggest MVPs of 2016 for this freaking company. But, um, yeah, I mean, the match should be good again. But even for Rollins and Jericho, like you said, there's nothing on the line. Like the Raw and SmackDown matches at Survivor Series, there was nothing on the line. So why the hell should anyone care? Um, so that said, yeah, with Rollins and Jericho, 
maybe they put up a future title shot, which I feel like makes the most sense. Um, that, that's what I would do to make it more meaningful than just an ordinary Raw match that, as you said, we've seen several times already in recent months. Also on Raw, just to go back and forth with, with Raw and SmackDown, I'm not going to go through the entire thing, but um, the New Day, they, they actually mentioned Demolition um, on Raw, and now it's like, now it's for real. Like It's coming, coming to fruition where they, they might break that Demolition record of 400 and 78 days as being the tag team champions. Um, got a got a few boos in the crowd uh, when they mentioned Demolition. Uh, I'm not, not sure if fans don't like Demolition or they don't want New Day to break Demolition's record. But they mentioned him on live TV. So we know that the shit is real. Um, they defended the, the tag titles against Sheamus and Cesaro. They cheated, they cheated their way to win. And now I think the next couple of weeks they're going to be defending their tag team championships until Roadblock, where at that time, you know, like I told you a few months ago, by the time Roadblock came around, they would have already surpassed um, the record if they kept the belts. Um, all likelihood, they're going to break that record, right? They got to. I mean, I feel like if you go this far and you don't have them break the record, then what was the point? I mean, if they're not going to want to break the record, could it give the club more heat if they don't break the record? Maybe. But it's like, okay, if you're not going to break the record, then why the hell did you have the New Day beat the club how many times over the summer? The club, if they win the belts next week, like four. that's cool. It's long overdue. But at this point, who the fuck cares? They should have won the belt at SummerSlam or a Clash of Champions or the next night. At this point, no one, I'm not going to say no one cares about the club, but it's like, dude, they were so hotter. Like, they were so much hotter like four or five months ago. If they could have put the belts on them then, I wouldn't have been as mad about how they've been using them since then. But other than that, I don't think they, they shouldn't win. I mean, the club deserve a title reign. If they want to wait until Roadblock to put the belts on them until after they break the record, that's fine. But it's like, they, they have to at this point. They have to. Otherwise, it's a waste. They waste the title runs for Cesaro and Sheamus or the club or whoever else they've beaten in the past year and a half. So... I think they will. I think they should. And then after that, I feel like they should call up Revival from NXT. I mean, they've done the Revival and DIY how many times now? DIY are finally tag team champions. You don't have to do a rematch. Um, and I guess they could, but I feel like they should just move on, call up Revival. They've done everything they can in NXT. And then the Revival not only face New Day for the belts of Roadblock, and they've been kind of teasing it on Twitter, but they beat them for the belts of Roadblock, too. And so you have a new heel tag team that's over from the get-go. They have great matches. Raw has very few real heel tag teams anyway, other than the club. So, um, the fucking shining stars, for God's sakes. But, yeah, that's what I would do. I would, I would have them break the record and then have them lose the belts to the Revival right afterwards. Okay, so now the fact that in that Sheamus-Cesaro match, Cesaro had Kofi tapping out, but the referee did not see it, obviously. Um, you know, Xavier Woods with the distraction, does that give... Does that give the loophole to have a rematch with uh, Cesaro and Sheamus and New Day at Roadblock? Because ultimately, Kofi tapped out, but the referee did not see it. It could. I mean, it depends on what you said. It's really confusing to me. Yeah. Does it look like, okay, they might be heading to a heel turn for New Day, which is okay. I mean, I guess they, they, sell, they still sell merch and they're still selling the Budio cereal, so I don't know how much sense that would make, but if they want to do it, whatever, because they, they've been around for so long, people are turning on them, whatever. But then I'm thinking, okay, so Golden Truth, 
which I hate to say, I hate that I'm going to say this, but I figured Golden Truth to beat the club. So then you have a babyface tag team that no one cares about, but they're still a babyface tag team facing a, a, a quote-unquote face tag team in New Day, and New Day finally solidified their heel turn by beating club or beating Golden Truth next week. But the club won. So they're facing a heel tag team next week. So I don't know if they're officially heels or not. I don't know what the deal is. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I could see them doing a rematch with Cesaro and Sheamus. That's another question I have that not a lot of people seem to be asking. Where do they go from here? I don't know why they're continuing to team if they don't like each other. If they're still teasing tension all these months later, then why are they teaming? If they don't want the tag titles, then go their separate ways and go after the, the mid-card title or something. It just doesn't make any sense. But uh, as of right now, I guess they could do a rematch, a roadblock if they want to. I don't see them winning the belts, though. Um, I, or maybe they could at roadblock. I don't see them winning the belts before then, though. Otherwise, they would have pulled the trigger at Hell in a Cell or on Monday's Raw. I don't know. But, yeah, I'm just curious as to where they go from here. Because if they don't win the belts, you should just split them right back up and put Cesaro back in the mid-card or something. Because they're wasting that guy right now. I think the ultimate troll, Graham, would be a new day to now break Demolition's record because they lose the belts to Demolition. Ooh, that'd be interesting. <laughs> I have no idea how old those guys are. Trust me, if people are mad about Goldberg being 49, being Brock Lesnar, trust me, Demolition Demolition is a lot older. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's not yeah. happening. How are they not in the Hall of Fame is my question. That makes that still makes no sense to me. Listen, man, I, I, this could be a whole different fucking episode. Demolition, <laughs> if, if I'm correct, Demolition um Steiners there's, you know there's a whole you know Owen Hart there's a whole bunch of people that's not in the Hall of Fame that you would think would have been there already like demolition I, I guess there's something you know you know you, you know how it is um something personal some animosity some lawsuits all that nonsense gets in the way of you, people being enshrined and deservingly so into the Hall of Fame for their contributions to to the sport. And now Demolition, who were tag team champions almost freaking 30 years ago, one of the greatest tag teams of all time, is not in the Hall of Fame. And you ask yourself, why? I have no fucking clue. I know there's something going on now, which is probably why their record is in danger of being broken because of whatever animosity is still going on now. So I think if that wasn't going on, Demolition record would still be standing. But um, a tag team like them, as great as they were, and people could say, oh, they, you know, they were ripoffs of, of, of the Road Warriors. I'm like, hey, in that late 80s, 90s time with the Hart Foundation, the Nasty Boys, eventually LOD, um, the Rockers, Demolition held it down for so many years, and that's why they were the longest reigning tag team champions of all time. And I, and I know there weren't as many pay-per-views or network specials back then. They only... Went on for like, you know, once every three months, a little Saturday night main event here and there, but it wasn't a, a pay-per-view every month, so they did not defend the belts as, as often and frequently as the New Day. And that could be a whole different topic where, which one are you more impressed with? The New Day's title run, if they break it, or Demolition's title run? And I think it can go both ways, but you can't just fault Demolition at that time because there weren't, there wasn't no... Network. There wasn't 12 pay-per-views per year, so I felt like maybe there were better tag teams back in that era compared to now, and it, it felt more real back in, in, in Demolition's era, but 
that's not taking anything away from the new day. But to go to your point, why they're not in the Hall of Fame, I have no idea. And maybe, you know, hopefully soon, man. Hopefully soon they'll they'll get in there. I would hope so. I don't know if it's an issue that Vince has with demolition. It has to be. Otherwise, why the hell wouldn't they be in yeah, by it's got to be. I mean, they're still alive. And that's the thing, too. The Legion of Doom, one of them died. And they were in the Hall of they, they got inducted in the Hall of Fame after they died. And, and to their credit, the Hall of Fame wasn't brought back until, like, 04, 05. Mm-hmm. I think it was not Animal, but Hawk died in, like, 03. Okay, so I get, I get that. Or 04, whatever it was. That's fine. Demolition, like you said, I have no idea how old they are, but... They're up there. They're, they're 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 pretty old, and it's only a matter of time before one of them passes. I hate to say it, but it's it's definitely true. So why are they not already in the Hall of Fame? I don't want another scenario with with Macho Man where you induct him after he's dead. Like that makes no sense. And like you said, they're one of the greatest tag teams of all time. Definitely in the top five conversation in any organization. Yeah, like you said, a rip off Legion of Doom. That was kind of the reason why they were created in the first place. But still, for all the success they had in WWE. It blows my mind that they're not already in the Hall of Fame. So maybe next year, Vince gets his head out of his ass, we'll see. But um, I would hope as soon as 2017. Fingers crossed. Speaking of tag teams, it looks like Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton are going to be tag teaming up against the American Alpha next week um, during this whole tag team turmoil uh, match to determine the new number one contenders for Rhino and Heath Slater. Um, are you intrigued the fact that Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton are going to be uh, teaming up to, um, together and going up against the American Alpha, which they could derail Alpha's uh, uh, path to, to trying to get that tag team title shot? I like it a lot. I like American Alpha a lot, but I think the right way to go. I mean, Bray Wyatt and Orton were the sole survivors for SmackDown on Sunday. So how the hell did they not get a title shot? I mean... I was curious coming out of the show that, oh, wow, Orton did not turn on Bray like I thought he would. Yeah. Where do they go from here? And they're pretty much a tag team, so you've got to put them in the tag team title picture. We have baby-faced champions right now, Heath Slater and Rhino. They've had the belt since September. So I'd be totally fine with Bray Wyatt and Orton beating them for the belts. And American Alpha can be the ones who beat them for the championships after Bray and Orton get a run with them, which I think is it benefits everybody. It keeps American Alpha in chase mode, so they're not winning the belts so soon, um, so we don't get a babyface and babyface match at TLC between American Alpha and Slater and Rhino. And more importantly, going back to what we were saying before about Bray Wyatt, the guy finally fucking gets a championship. He's been here for how many years? He's never held a single goddamn title. He never gets a title shot. So him winning the tag team title, it's not the IC title, but it's something. It's a piece of gold. So thank God. Hopefully that's the case. That's Hopefully that's the direction they're going. And Bray Wyatt holding the tag team titles would be amazing. So uh, I'm hoping that's where they're going with this. So now, if, if they do win on SmackDown, go to TLC and beat Slater and Rhino, do you look at Orton and Bray as heels, faces, or kind of like in between? Heels? I mean, Bray Wyatt's a heel, but they should be in between. They should they should kind of be tweeners, if not full-out baby faces, just because Bray Wyatt should have been a baby face. Months ago, if not years ago, Randy Orton, people still pop for him anyway. People don't boo Randy Orton. He was not booed at Survivor Series, despite being with the Wyatt. People love Randy Orton still, because um, he's great. So they're not going to boo him. Um, so I kind of see them as tweeners. They might be going for a heel thing. They might be, they might, you know, supposed to be heels. But from what I, from the way that I view it, they feel like tweeners to me. 
Um, if not full out baby faces, because people like both guys. So yeah, I think they, they're supposed to be heels, but I see them more as leaders though. Now, I know we mentioned TLC a couple times, but now looks looks like the card is getting a little uh, f- uh, filled up. We know AJ and Dean Ambrose uh, TLC match for the World Championship. Um, now a chairs match between Baron Corbin and uh, Callisto. That was made yesterday on Talking Smack. Uh, we're gonna, if correct, correctly, if I'm wrong, Nikki Bella and Carmella. I uh, guess a match. I don't know any stip- uh, stipulations toward that match. Um, no, wasn't it no DQ match for that? Yeah, that's a no DQ match. Yeah. All right, no DQ with Nikki Bella, Carmella, chairs match, Baron Corbin, Callisto, AJ Dean, World Title, TLC. And it seems that there's a ladder match between Miz and Dolph in my, for, for the IC title. Uh, that's correct, right? Yes. Yep. Okay, so we get Miz and Dolph Ziggler for like the 84th time. Um, mm-hmm. Now in a ladder match, which I which we kind of thought was going to happen with uh, a few weeks ago with um, Miz beating Dolph. He'll keep the, the title off of Raw at Survivor Series. Dolph will get a rematch, ladder match. Um, but my thing is this, if Dolph was to win the the belt again, are we like, yeah, Dolph, you fucking won it again. Or are we like, oh, all right, Dolph, you won again. And then it's yeah, like, no, it's then the, it's like, what do you yeah. do with the Miz? That's the second, you know, it's definitely the second thing. It's like, I don't know about you, and I know this is kind of off topic, but I could not care less. And I never thought I'd say this. I could not care less about Charlotte and Sasha next weekend. Raw. How many times have we seen that match? But how many times has the belt changed hands in the past two, three months alone? And I know it goes to say, like, that's what they did in the attitude there. But at this point, it's like, oh, my God, keep the belt on one person. Like, they keep on changing the belt every single time these two girls face off. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So they've done it, like, four or five times. So hopefully they, they keep the belt on Miz as they should. I don't really care too much about Ziggler as it is currently. I didn't really, I wasn't too thrilled when he won the belt to begin with. And no mercy in the uh, in the match where he would have lost. Um, if he had he lost, he would have had, like, he would have left the company on his own terms. So with this match, keep the belt on Miz. There's a lot more possibilities with him as champion than Ziggler. Miz is far better in that role. He's far more compelling as champion. Ziggler, where do you go with him? Don't know. Don't care. Maybe you turn him heel. I don't know. With the Miz, um, I don't know if he starts back up the uh, the IC title tour again and goes after Honky Tonk Men's record. He have to he'd have to hold the belt for uh, until for another year until like December of uh, 2017 if they want to win that long again. But uh, no, yeah, and I, I like the role in Miz as IC champion. And I, as you said, we said weeks ago here in the show, Miz and Ziggler, ladder match, blow it off. They only have two weeks still before the pay-per-view. So you're not going to start up a, a whole other feud for Miz in two weeks. So to go back to the well with this feud, this match, and a match, both guys know very well. They're both former Money in the Bank winners. They've been in several ladder matches before. Ziggler had a match of your candidate at TLC 2014, Luke Harper, mm. for the IC title. So we'll see, we'll see where this goes. But, um, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully they keep the belt on this. And another match for the 85th time, Sasha Banks and Charlotte on Raw next week for the Women's Championship in Charlotte's hometown of uh, North Carolina. Um, Char- Sasha made Charlotte tap on Raw. I made a point on Twitter that... Sasha can make Charlotte tap on Raw, beat her on Raw, but never on a pay-per-view. And um, 
this might be an, a, a, another time where Sasha might be Charlotte for the title. Um, because Charlotte beat Sasha in her hometown of Boston. I think, you know, trying to think ahead, this might be the time where Sasha beats Charlotte in her hometown. Um, if Sasha wins the belt on Raw, are you going to be happy? Or are you going to be like, man, can we just stop playing hot potato with the fucking belt? Again, yeah, the second one. I'm I'm so sick of the game of hot potato with the women's championship. It just does not interest me at all. It'd be like I like Sasha, but it's like, oh my god, I don't care anymore. How the how how the hell could you go from having the championship three times in the matter of like four months? That's ridiculous. Like they already did that with Charlotte. To do it with Sasha too, it's like, mm-hmm. oh my god, just keep the belt on one woman for like more than a month, please. Like that's all I ask. And I don't think they will. I mean, then again, I think we all saw Sasha winning at uh, at Hell in a Cell, and she did it. But uh, I think Charlotte retains on Raw finally to break that streak, as you said, of Sasha forcing Charlotte to tap out and pinning her on Raw, but never being able to do it on a pay-per-view. They've already done it all, too. They've already main-evented Raw. They've already main-evented pay-per-views. They've already been inside Hell in a Cell. They've already blown off the feud inside the cell. So going back to it on Raw, I don't care. I don't think many people care. I'm glad they advertise it a week out, but I just don't care. Um, but I don't think they will put the belt back on Sasha. I feel like they will have Nia foster the championship and then do Bailey Charlotte at Roadblock. Right. And then do uh, Sasha Nia Jax at the same pay-per-view. So that's, that's the way I see it going, and that's the way that it should happen, because Sasha's great. But if they, then they're going to have another rematch after that, because Charlotte would still have her rematch clause. It's like, oh, my God, just leave it at one match. But here's hoping they have just, you know, Charlotte retain, and then they move forward from there. Uh, real quick before we, we wrap it up, um, uh, Seth and Y2J had a, had a freaking great, hilarious promo in the middle of the ring. Everybody thought they were going to split up and break up and do some rockers, Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty type shit. And then, uh, ultimately they just swerved everybody in Toronto and they both blamed Roman Reigns for their team losing the, the five on five match at Survivor Series. I think that was one of the most you know, entertaining promos of the year or in a long time. Um, so they're not splitting up, even though we can see that happening down the road. Um, on SmackDown, Shane returned. Uh, we all thought that he was really hurt. He, he still came out there, did a promo uh, for the whole James Ellsworth thing, which I'm not too much of a fan of myself, just like you, of him getting a SmackDown live contract and in order to do so, he had to beat AJ Styles in a ladder match, a match that AJ picked himself. Uh, he ultimately lost a match with the help of Dean Ambrose. Ellsworth is now officially, quote-unquote, officially on a SmackDown Live roster. Uh, what did you make of, one, the Jericho KO promo, and two, Ellsworth defeating AJ for the third time and him getting a contract on SmackDown Live? As you said, the Jericho Owens segment of Raw is definitely one of the best ones I've seen all year. They just have such great chemistry together that, I mean, it's going to be a sad day when they eventually break up, which has to happen at some point, and it's going to be able to a match, and they have to do the match before Jericho leaves soon, I would imagine. So um, hopefully they wait for that until the Rumble. WrestleMania would be money. I don't know if Jericho's going to be around that long. We'll see. But, um, no, yeah, that was great. On the opposite side of the spectrum with Ellsworth and Styles. Uh, I don't know. I, I was a fan of it at first when they had Ellsworth beat Styles and the whole upset thing. That was cute. 
But then when you do them, when you have them beat Styles again, beat DQ, and then you beat him again in a ladder match, it's like, how much does, I'm not saying that Styles has been a bad champion, but it's like, that just makes Styles look weak for no reason. So, and it was so predictable, too. But, um, yeah, yeah, I wasn't a big fan of that. Hopefully they know where they're going with this. I don't know if they're going to turn Ellsworth on Ambrose, and then they have Ellsworth be a lackey for Styles. I can get behind that. I guess we'll see a TLC that should kind of paint the picture for the next couple months. But, yeah, not a big fan of that match, that old storyline development. Ellsworth is kind of wearing out his welcome for me. He just feels way too overexposed. But Jericho and Owens, though, on Raw, that was a money segment by far. Are we going to ever see James Ellsworth, like, wrestle for real? Like, you know, this whole gimmick, I'm hurt and this and this and that. Are we going to ever see him wrestle for real, whether it's cruiserweight stuff or fighting Callisto or something, are we ever going to see him really wrestle in the ring? I mean, they're going to have to do that at some point, just because yeah. this whole thing with AJ and Ambrose is going to have is going to you know it's going to end at some point in the near future. So they're going to have to you know once that runs its course, they're going to have to put Ellsworth in the undercard or whatever else. So then he's going to have to wrestle, you know. So I mean, I'm sure he will at some point. But that's what I mean. Like, after you get involved and you beat EJ Styles, of all people, three times in your first three matches in the company, where do you go from there? Like, the only place you can go is down, and I don't really see any role from him. It's not like he's any great wrestler, from what I understand. So he's going to become a Santino-like guy in the undercard, so it's kind of a waste. But, I don't know, I mean, I, I like the guy. I mean, he seems like a likable guy, and it seems like, um, I don't know how bad or decent of a wrestler he is, but... I don't know, it's, it's cool. Good for him for getting a contract, but I don't see where they go with him beyond this angle once he's run his course. It's my only question. I did have one question um, from at E13A. Hold up. Hold up. Who came out looking the strongest at Survivor Series? That was what I was wondering. I mean, you know what? The weird thing? Probably Bray, I mean, other right? than Goldberg. I mean, Goldberg looked the strongest. But um, I would say if anyone but Goldberg looking the strongest at the pay-per-view, another part-timer, Shane McMahon, which is really weird to say. I mean, I thought Braun Strowman had a great performance, mm-hmm. but Shane was in there for as long as he was. He was in the ring for a majority of the match, but he was a part of it. Um, he hit the flying elbow. He went for the coast-to-coast. So all this other stuff I thought was just like, they're making his dad look really, really strong for what reason? I have no idea not even an active competitor. But um, I wasn't really a huge fan of that, so it's kind of weird that the two strongest competitors coming out of that show were Goldberg and Shane McMahon in the year 2016. But, uh, yeah, that, that's, I thought Shane McMahon was well, the strongest, not not the best. He was winded like halfway through, but I, I guess he, to me he looked like he was the strongest competitor in that match, oddly enough. Yeah, I, I, w- I would have said, aside from Goldberg, Braun Strowman, Shane, Bray Wyatt, I, I don't think a lot of people even had SmackDown winning, but maybe uh, Bray Wyatt being a sole survivor, I think he came out, uh, his character came out looking strong. Um, final question, I guess the last storyline floating out there is, you know, when, when Taker came out there on last week and said that, you know, whoever causes his team a potential loss um, or kind of gets in the way of them performing together as a team was going to hear from him. Now, Taker did not appear uh, on SmackDown last night, but you would ultimately have to think that 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 person would have to be Dean Ambrose, right? 
It would have to be. I mean, he almost cost his team to win. So it would have to be Dean Ambrose. I mean, I thought that was so weird. They make this whole big deal about Undertaker coming back, and whoever loses for SmackDown will, you know, will uh, suffer my wrath or whatever. Will feel my, will feel my wrath. And then he's not even mentioned. He didn't show up on Tuesday. Oh, well, I'm back, and then he's not even there the next week. It's like, okay, so I guess we know how this is going to play out. But yeah. just because Team SmackDown won, he doesn't have to show up. Is that what it is? I don't know. I just to me it was a little weird. But um, yeah, I mean, busy. I guess we'll see where it goes. Like I said earlier, I think Ambrose is better suited as a heel right now. So if they put him in a program with Undertaker going into WrestleMania season, I mean, that'd be money. Or, I mean, if Styles cheats to win a TLC, maybe he takes issue with Styles, as we said last week, the, whole, the build of a whole Undertaker scene thing with Styles, that whole saga going into WrestleMania you could do. But, um, yeah, I guess we'll see where it goes. But I thought it was just weird that they made this whole big deal about him on the 900th episode, and then the next week, you're not even there, let alone mentioned. Yeah, I mean, a, a source told me that Taker was, was busy on Tuesday, so... That was, that's why he wasn't there. He was just busy. Yeah, the Cavaliers <laughs> game or something again. He was uh, Taker was at a uh, Cleveland Cavalier home game. That's where that's what happened. <laughs> there you go. Um, Grant Matthews at WrestleRant for Bleacher Report, Hidden Remote, What Culture. Uh, we hear every week on two out of three falls going over the world of professional wrestling in the week of professional wrestling. So we cover Survivor Series, NXT, Raw, SmackDown. Um, a little bit into TLC, so that that's like in what two weeks? A week from next uh next week, right? Next week is the go home show. So next week we're oh, doing man. TLC predictions. Yeah, another pay per view, man. <laughs> <laughs> another pay per view, another one. Another I mean the one. the, the card one. the card looks pretty good. I give it that the card right now looks pretty good. Um, try to see how they're gonna. Uh, finish it up. I, I think it'll be Bray and Randy against Slater, Rhino. I, I, already, I already mentioned Nikki, Carmella, Corbin, Callisto, AJ, Dean, Miz, Dolph. Uh, so that's five matches right there. I don't know what else you can make, but at least for, for now, you, those five matches will be pretty solid. Uh, Graham, happy holidays to you and your family. I know we'll, we'll, get a, we'll, we'll be back on the show next week, so enjoy the holiday, man. Of course, Randy. Thanks as always for having me on. Enjoy the holiday tomorrow, and I'll catch you down the road. All right, man. Thank you. Adios. All right.